comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No internet, no GPS, no text messages, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. listening to fear the walking dead tv podcast this is for season three episode four entitled blood in the streets i am craig demanda and join with me this evening is mr aaron newworth what's going on sir i have just emerged from the ocean naked with a bag carrying a microphone and a computer so i am ready to do this what more do you need you gotta find this just a walker and put his guts all over your head and your face and your shirt and you'd be all set to go right that's it yeah yeah, yeah of course <laughs> so we should be joined by uh, mr jim deets shortly but we're gonna get started aaron and i and just kind of dissect this episode which uh, i think was markedly... good, good, good good word choice sites dissect I like dissect that. You, you like the little segue right it kind of dissect. worked in there yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to jump right in. I, I mean, I, I thought this episode, just off the rip, was definitely better than what we've seen. And everyone says, well, it's getting better and better. But this one just seemed really tight, really well put together. What were your thoughts on it? I enjoyed this episode quite a bit, mainly because it gave me a big what the hell is going on factor right at the beginning. I, I um, While in media res type openings are not always like amazing for this show, it could use a lot more jolts like that, like what's going on here kind of things, and this one definitely delivered. There's one major issue I'll get to involving Strand character choice, but if it it did lead to a Strand centric episode as far as his backstory, so I did appreciate what was going on there. So we'll, we'll get more into that, obviously. But overall. I was I was pretty warm to this episode. Yeah, I liked it too. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of mixed feelings about you know again Strand's reveal, a little bit more of his backstory, and I like the flashbacks. I know people are mixed with that. They go, oh, you know, here we go, flashbacks. It's like lost again. It's like you know, but I like when they sprinkle them in. I, I think it was done very artistically in this episode, and a lot happened. I was just doing the notes getting them ready for this episode. I'm like, there's a lot of scenes. I mean, there's a lot of stuff happening on the boat, and you, those short little flashbacks are just loaded with stuff and it was just i thought it was really good i liked it yeah it was it was, why he got to get into that flashback position i was a little iffy on but yeah the actual flashbacks uh yeah good stuff yeah yeah so well, let's just jump right into it this episode was directed by michael Uppendahl and written by kate erickson so the cold open we open to kind of the nighttime and we see this we saw this on the um with the Talking Dead extra clip or whatever, we saw Nick emerging on this beach, and uh, it was really at nighttime. It was a shore, waves are rolling in, and Nick is practically, I guess he is naked, and he's carrying his clothes in kind of a plastic Ziploc bag tied to him, so, he did, so I guess they stay dry, I'm assuming. And then this helicopter kind of flies over with a searchlight, and it's searching, looks like the water. It looks like it's looking on the water for something. I don't really didn't understand that. Did you know what the helicopter was all about? I... 
I just assumed it was a helicopter going in from where whatever it was doing earlier to go to. You know, I don't know. I I, I thought it was. I thought I figured it was. It, it had come back from something else, like elsewhere, and was now going towards whatever kind of stuff the go whatever government or you know military uh, setup is more inland. Yeah, it just was. I mean, I had the searchlight on. They were obviously looking for something. They were looking yeah. for somebody or something. And then we see the camera kind of pans over after Nick got dressed, and he enters this tent city. I guess it was on the beach. It looked like it was, or maybe it was inland a little bit. It was a little hard to see. It was dark, but we see written um. You know, like with sticks and things, save us is written large on the ground, so aircraft could see it. I suppose flying over. Yeah, what, I, what I'm guessing is like it's, you know, like the where um where everyone was at the end of last season in that kind of quarantined area. I feel like this is like another one of those. Okay, okay. Things have, things have obviously gone south at this point, but I, I, maybe there's just like the residual damage from what was going on there. But if you notice, there was like fires still lit in this little tent city, so it means that maybe it was just recently overrun. I, I mean, yeah, I, I guess despite the lack of many bodies around, yeah, right, yeah, they just they fled maybe, or they were taken out or something happened but yeah because it was it was very strange but it was very well done uh nick is now making noise he starts banging a pan or some kind of pot to draw out any walkers and he's really developed some great skills in handling these walkers in just a few episodes i mean he's definitely the most skilled around these things he gets one to follow him to a tent. Yeah, he's, he's, he's certainly like he's he's, he's, he's in like solid snake from Metal Gear Solid mode at this point. He's sneaking <laughs> around. Like I was waiting for him to like kneel down and like go onto his codec and say, "Strand, the walkers are here. What do I do?" <laughs> like, but, but yeah, he's 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 yeah like that or like Sam Fisher or whatever. Like just like sneaking into a compound, doing like all this like all this wet work against zombies to like get himself in the like right position. But yeah, yeah it was it was. You know, as, as much as I as uh, Captain Nick Old Man clothes is was bothering me in the first season. Like this season, he's been my guy. He and Strand have been like, I, I like this. I like these two. Like these two, I, I'm intrigued <laughs> by what goes on here. Two out of seven ain't bad, right? It's fine. I like these two. These two, two out okay. of seven, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. It's good. It's great, great numbers there. But I mean, he's developing skills that we haven't seen the original Walking Dead crew really develop until later on. Like the you know making noise first and out you know drawing them out. I mean, those are those are pretty advanced uh, Walker handling skills. He seems to have them down and. He he gets he attracts one of them t- to follow him towards a tent, and this was pretty cool. He then zips himself into the tent, but then the walker's face is just right in the screen, uh, the insect screen, I guess, of the tent, and he grabs the face right by the jaw and stabs it through the head. And it was a really you know well handled. He likes I don't know if you noticed this though. Nick has like been staring down these walkers a lot. He gets right in their face and looks in their eyes and stuff. Yeah, it's the kind of it feels like the. Some of the like I, I'm not gonna say the characters aren't all like on the same show, and I'm not gonna even say that some of the characters are on a different show than other characters. But it feels like the kind of B movie-ish roots that I like would champion for this show seem to be inserted in these kind of areas where you have this kind of like quirky character idea of Nick being a person who can he understands the Walker enough to to enough to you know become the Walker essentially, and he gets inside their mind by staring at them. Like it seems like a very almost like something out of Predator. Like yeah, you know, like, a, like a character at a predator type thing, where he's he's kind of in touch in, in that sort of way within this show that's grounded in some sort of reality. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So with the suspension of disbelief of you know Walking Dead people, but that's beside the point. You're right. No, you're absolutely right. He definitely he's using some kind of sixth sense with these things, and he um he then drags the walker after he stabbed him in the head into the tent, and then proceeds to gut him with the knife that he had on him, and he spreads the blood and guts all over his face. 
his clothes, you know, his, his chest, his, you know, there's a full Nick covered in blood routine right there. And it was pretty good. And if you noticed, we then cut to the opening, whatever you want to call it, the, the credits. And there was no screeching sound this time. So yeah, I, I the if I was taking notes on this episode, I would have wrote Craig will be happy. I, I, I was. I, I noted it. I had a big smile on my face. I'm like, oh, thank you. I, and, I, and I did, yeah, I, I am liking that they're kind of mixing up when did, when and when not to use this um, at this point. Like, you know, it's only been, you know, this is only the... With the twice. Like, oh, yeah, but it's like twice they season. haven't used the screeching yeah, sound, Yeah, twice right? they haven't yeah. used it. And, like, it, it seems like they're kind of learning, like, tonally what really makes sense, even in regards to something as simple as having an opening credit sequence. So, so um, far, the two episodes that didn't have the screech have been pretty darn good. Like, did they, like, know that, okay, this is going to be a good episode, let's, let's, you know telegraph that to the audience by not having the screeching sound i mean is that what- I, I, I think it more or less has to do with the kind of the scope of the scene being presented like in the first episode where they did it right it was the second that was the first episode it was right? the first episode of the season you're right and we see like, la burning have, yeah yeah you had this kind of epic scope of the l of the of la burning as they're sailing off to sea and this one you've had this very lengthy kind of elaborate sequence involving going back to shore but like you, you gotta there's more of an epicness, I guess, to it, for lack of a better word. There's kind of a, a sense of scale going on that seems larger than just cut larger, large enough to not have to just cut away to a screeching sound to to, to kind of yeah. indicate the show's starting. You kind of you get the idea. I'm liking it. I, I'm I'm liking it. I guess it's it's maybe now I'll be looking for well, not holding my ears during the screeching sound, but okay, is this going to be an episode where they don't use it, and that's going to be kind of cool where they're going to work it in somehow so I'd, I'd, I'd hate for that to be an indi- indicator of whether the episode's <laughs> going to be better or not because there's no opening intro music it's like ah oh, this is going to be a good one yeah especially because i do like that music i'm not <laughs> i'm not a, i'm not enamored by the show as a whole but i do like or or the even the use of it in relation to certain episodes but i do like that piece of music that was composed for it yeah, where's Chub Toad? He has a good, pretty impression. He goes, eh. It's yeah. a, that, we, we need him to do that right now. <laughs> but I, I thought it was pretty neat. And actually, and they don't really discuss this in the episode, but Nick swam to shore really from the boat. He didn't have any kind of launch or any kind of rubber dinghy. He he literally just swam from, the, I, I guess, Strand sent him on a mission to find Lewis. And he I, just said, I, you're going to swim yes. to shore. I mean, that's... I guess. I'm wondering, was there like a like a small... Zo- like, was there a small Zodiac or something he used to get closer? Or did the boat just I, just suspiciously get close without anyone questioning it? I don't think he took up? the launch. Because if you think about it, later on, Strand used the, the, the rubber dinghy that they had exactly, to yeah. escape. So if that was the only one that the Abigail had, uh-huh. then Nick swam to shore. And if you notice, he was really coughing. Like, he inhaled a lot of water. Like, he, when he got to shore, he was like, <clears throat> when he got on yeah. the beach... And and no one knew that Nick was gone, I believe, also, right? They made some uh, – Maddie said, have you seen Nick or something like that? I mean, there was some comment made, but they just didn't know where he was. Like, he's just yeah, missing. So like, yeah. So I'm, I'm, pres- I'm presumably they did not know that he you know, had gone on some kind of mission. Correct. They didn't know he was on a mission. They just didn't know where he was. They thought he was just missing somewhere. Yeah. So, well, we cut to the uh, yacht in uh, Travis and Maddie's bedroom, and Travis is really pissed that Strand cut the raft with Alex and Jake – loose from the back of the ship at the end of last episode and Maddie tries to convince him and says look all right I, I hear you but we we need strand to get to mexico and ultimately this safe house she goes listen we need to start over we need to we need to get somewhere and this guy's going to get us there and she tries to kind of just chill him out um we then see ophelia and chris kind of chatting outside on the on the upper deck he asks her awkwardly about her past relationships i guess he's trying to make some moves on her or mack it to her in some way i don't know but I, I guess yeah it was just very awkward and uh 
he was saying that he had a girlfriend back in Pomona named Maria Santos. Okay, cool, whatever. I guess she's trying to prove that he had a girlfriend to her. <laughs> and she reminds him, like, and she tries to, like, basically block him and says, well, you know, don't worry. There's still plenty of girls left on the planet. <laughs> nice little block right there. Um, they see a raft, though, approaching the yacht, and it's got, like, a searchlight, and there's three people on board. There's uh, two men and a pregnant girl. And here's where it goes off the rails. And Chris says, should I shoot them? Should I shoot? I mean, oh, I, I, I wanted to throw the remote at the TV right at that point. Yes. What doesn't help is that he, he actually should have shot them. Yes. But that's that's regardless of the point. The, the idea that he's standing there with the gun. <laughs> and, I mean, come on. Asking, you know. asking this question, should I shoot them? Multiple times, and then like like when they're like right next to his face, he's like still holding the gun and asking the same questions. Like dude, it's so like, bad. He's such not on, amateur you're not, hour. You're yeah. not on watch duty anymore. This is not a thing you're doing. It, it, no, terrible, absolutely terrible. I mean, it, if you don't hate Chris you, it, to this point, you're going to hate him right now. I mean, come on, you know. Um, Strand, uh, it, I'm sorry, excuse me. Uh, they and, and the, the passengers that come on the raft. They pretend to be from the raft. They pretend to be hurt. You know, when the pregnant girl is kind of grasping her stomach, and they kind of force themselves on the boat, but they don't seem threatening at first. Now, what did you think was going down here? I, I knew it wasn't good, and I had you a good, I had a good, good suspicion it was Jack. I just knew it at that point. Uh, you know, Alicia's radio boyfriend. I'm pretty sure it was him at that point. Yeah. Yeah. As much as the show tried to like t- tried to camouflage what was going on by having Chris be a you know a giant moron, I, I was um I I was I was too like bothered by the idea that not only did this like random group like get to the boat but they just rushed themselves onto it and i was like this can't be real like there's no like yeah yeah yeah. it didn't it didn't feel right and then when you see that little scene where strand peeks kind of down the stairway and sees that they have uninvited guests and you kind of just from that angle you know that they were they were making some furtive moves a little bit it didn't look right just right there i said okay something's gonna bad's gonna happen here the the filmmaking there yeah i kind of tipped the hand a a bit a bit it was subtle but it was nice yeah at the same time i would have been fully ready to see strand getting this giant argument about like why we're not putting these people on the boat all of a sudden like i was i was welcoming the idea yeah like yeah i see what you're saying but he goes to the bridge and he gets his tries to get his rifle in that locked little footlocker that he has there and um he realizes Daniel. that Daniel stole the ammo. He goes, like, what did he say, paranoid old man or something? What did he say? Yeah, something like that, yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, and he really, I mean, he is. I mean, I guess Daniel was being a little over-paranoid about Strand, because Strand, if he had the gun there loaded, he theoretically could have taken the boat back right then and there. I mean, he could have shot them all and been done with the, it. Yeah, where did the gun go? That's a good question. I mean, he didn't take it on the route. Ra- I guess it's useless. I mean, a gun without bullets is pretty much... You know, what are you going to do with it? I guess he left I, it behind. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess. Yeah. I mean, he just because we see him, he just disappears. The next thing you know, he's on the he's on the raft trying to paddle himself to safety somehow. So I don't I'd also say I'm surprised that the boat's not more fit with like ant, like, you know, ant, weaponry. I'm a little surprised that there's not more defensive measures. On this yeah, boat. I guess. But I, I, I mean, through the flashbacks, guess, we learn that he's not really a drug. De- well, we don't think he's a drug deal. He's more in the real estate business, it seems like. And maybe he didn't need it, you know, as much he, as they. He's like a real estate con man type guy. But it's not yeah. even it's not even his boat, right? Like it's. See, I don't know. I think it's a good question. So maybe it was, it was Thomas's boat, Thomas Abigail's boat. It probably was then at that point. Yeah. Yeah. It just I mean, by the nature of people that are hanging out with Thomas Abigail, it seems like there might be a little more weaponry on that boat. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a good. I mean, but yeah, I guess you're right. I, I, I suppose you're right. But for storytelling purposes, they just had looks Obviously, like the yes. one. I mean, this is yeah. a story that we're being told, so we have to kind of accept what's going on. So uh, Alicia emerges from her bedroom, and 
you know, she gets to the top deck to see the new arrivals, and she recognizes one of the voices of her radio boyfriend, Jack. And she says, Jack? And, you know, we, we do realize it's him. At that point, once she says that, the three amigos, or, you know, pirates, if you will, they take control of the ship. The pregnant girl does a pretty nice little knockout move on Maddie. It just basically cold cocks her and ties like, her up. She slams her head into the mirror. Yeah, it was pretty badass. But then her leg was cut somehow. I don't know what that was all about. Uh, the, well, no, the, she well she no she cut her leg herself oh, so so she could pretend to be bleeding as if bleeding she out of her. I, I see what you're saying. I get it. Okay, yeah, I'm with no, you now. She, they made the cut herself, and then it just it looked. I mean, you just kind of, you see a pregnant woman, you just kind of assume, oh no, that's horrible. That, there's no blood reason, coming from that no, area. No, okay, no right. To, no reason to question that. I see a pregnant woman bleeding. That's, gotcha. Because I, I didn't see the blood at first. It was happened so quick, but I see what you're saying. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, yeah. That she was... got. Yeah, I, I saw her at it when they got on the boat. That's why I was. I was still kind of hesitant to be like, all right, well, there's a bleeding woman. But oh, okay, but they quickly show that she cut herself and she mends the, the cut and tries to, you know. Well, I kept thinking she was just not going to be really pregnant, like she'd pull out a beach ball or something. See, I was thinking that too. That's pretty funny. I was thinking she wasn't pregnant either, right? I was kind of. I, I, I yeah. think that might be more. I don't know how convincing that pregnancy was versus was she actually pregnant type situation. But I think they handled it well. I think it was better this way. I think it worked out pretty good that she actually I, was pregnant and she still I, I, took control yeah, of the I, ship. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, in terms of the the actress and the work done to make this person seem as if they're actually pregnant. Got, like, oh, I see what you're saying. I got I, you. Okay. I, I don't. I don't know how convincing. I mean, other <laughs> listeners that have been pregnant can be pleased to fill in the details on whether or not that that was a convincing <laughs> character. But <laughs> I, the the size ratios were kind of off to me. It seems. But. Uh, I, I got you. I see. What you're she she was she was pretty pregnant. She right? was well. I think she was close. And even you know, Manny yeah, interrogates we'll her later there, on. Yes. Yeah, I think there, she was it. pretty much close. Yeah. Yeah. This ain't no first trimester. No, 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 no. We were definitely in the in the third. That's for sure. So the other two gunmen. I guess Jack and I think the other guy's name is Reed I want to say they tie up the rest of the gang uh, minus Strand because Strand just disappeared at this point one gunman I think it's Reed makes fun of Chris and it's awesome he mimics him and says should I shoot them he goes because he wants to give him advice he goes let me give you some advice he goes if you have to ask that question somebody should already be dead I'm like thank you thank you even the even the the pirates are making fun of Chris and then I well yeah. now I, I like that you know I can I can handle people making fun of Chris because that entertains everybody. Yeah, we, we, can, we can collectively all hold hands, raise them very high on that one. But I, the the that 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 being the logic of the show is like scary to me. It's like oh okay, so the sh- the show's idea is that if there's strangers in front of you, you don't ask that question. You just shoot them in the face. Okay, thank you for the Walking Dead for that sense of logic. I, I feel safe now. Like I was thinking, if what if it was like Rick on on that boat? Those three wouldn't even get close. They'd be shot before they even got near the boat, right? If, be- if, if this is a Rick situation, <laughs> as the as the boat was approaching, Daryl would have popped up in the water behind it, like speared speared each one of harpoon. them. Harpoon, he'd harpoon, right? So yeah, uh, yeah, he'd harpoon each one of them in one in one go, like they'd be skewered. <laughs> And then he'd sail the boat up. He'd be like, "Hey, Rick, found some food." Like I don't yeah. even know what. Like, no, no, no. That's exactly right. I mean, it, it wouldn't even get near the boat. It would be so funny. But then at that point, after after the gunman Reed insults Chris, Chris makes the poutiest face of all pouty faces I've ever seen him make up to now. It's like he made this, like, oh, it was so terrible. I, yeah, I wanted to just throw something at the TV at that point. Yeah, I, I don't think – based off that face, I don't know how great his chances of Ophelia are at this point. <laughs> yeah, and she's seeing the whole thing. He just basically broke down. Then he gets yeah. – yeah. So apparently – and at this point, the gunmen, the pirates, know all the people's names on the Abigail. And then Daniel which says, is, how do they know our names? And Alicia's like, I didn't tell them any of that. Which is true, right? Yes. I, I mean, yeah. uh, well, if they well, – 
I believe her. I mean, they, they cut in and out of her chatting with Jack, so we didn't really see the entire conversation with Jack, but I'm tending to believe that she didn't give all the names of the people out. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's going far enough to like try to save her own butt at this point by just lying. I mean, I think she'd probably be pretty open at this point. If she I think so. I don't think she's a liar. I, I, so I, I, we haven't seen that quality in her. Yeah. So maybe, I don't know, they hijacked the radio call Strand was sending, perchance? See, it, uh, what, what was Strand sending radio calls? He was well, only using a set phone. Okay, he well, yeah. Well, regard, well, whatever the case may be, somehow hijacking that line, because I have no idea how, unless they're secretly on the boats or something like or like near the boat to pick i don't know how like let's well, maybe a, like a let's sonar, think about it, it could, sonar, it, a, a sonic transmitter like well yeah, they, had, they had those like parabolic microphones if they had one of those like like what was it what aaron used in in when he was trailing the um the group towards alexandria i mean it's possible yeah. but uh, let's make it easier than that what if they intercepted the raft with alex and jake now did alex oh did alex yeah. know all the names of the people i mean was she That'd around be- long enough That'd be pretty specific. I mean, she never even got on the boat. She was on the boat for like a half a minute on the on the back end of the boat. Yeah, you know, I mean, and then so I don't think she knew the names, but it's possible. Maybe, maybe she somehow found out the names or whatever. Or the other possibility is, what if that house that they went to in episode two, that son was still alive? Now he he knew all the names. That's a way to think of it because they did go to that house to begin with to get away from the to other get boat. away from them. So maybe the boat followed them into that cove. And interrogated whoever was left alive on the on on uh, Katrina Island, not Catalina Island, Katrina yes. Island. Let's go with that for now. That makes the most sense to me. Okay, so I that like, works better like for you. That. Okay, I like that. Okay. I like that one. Yeah, so I, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's a good thread. I mean they're, they're, they're putting these little threads of mystery in. Which I, I I commend them for that at least. So suddenly, then we see a raft being paddled away from the boat, and that's Strand on board. I gotta I gotta tell you something. About yeah. The way. I miss doing the Flight 462 podcast. <laughs> I kind of miss it, too. It w- would have happened right about now. It would have happened right about now. It yeah. would have reared its ugly head right about now. You're right. <laughs> it's, like, it's like right about this commercial break. It would have happened. It, I, I do I do miss it. Um, I don't know why I miss it, but I do, too. It was just something I, we did. Yeah. I'd like, I, 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 you know, people haven't responded. People haven't talked about it on the Facebook group that much, but I have no. a feeling silent majority that's that's really rooting that we do the flight 462 podcast again at some I, point so i, I think AMG. that silent majority always gives a little smirk when they're listening to this and they, and they hear us go crazy about <laughs> flight 462 right? i mean they go, okay here they go again right <laughs> I, i'm pretty I'm, uh, yeah <laughs> I, I'm, I'm pretty sure um I don't, I don't know. I'm pretty. I don't know. Mike Jones is like, God, where's the Flight 462 podcast? <laughs> it really, really spice things up on this show. <laughs> Absolutely, I do miss it. Well, maybe they'll do something like that again. Who knows? I mean, it's possible. But uh, anyway, Jack takes aim at at Strand's raft, which is you know just heading out to to sea, I guess. And he, but he doesn't pull the trigger. The second one, which, again, I think his name is Reed. He shoots, and then he shoots two, twice. Once, he may have hit Strand, but we're not sure. And the second one, he punctures the raft. He hit Strand. I, whether, I, I'm pretty sure it's probably more or less a flesh wound or an in-and-out kind of thing. But okay, he, he, so he you think Strand was hit? Because I don't think he was, but okay, you think he was? I don't, I don't think he was hit mortally, but I, I mean, he, I think he was certain. I think he was hit, for sure. Because the, the next shot is this weird kind of overhead shot of the raft, and you see Strand just laying there on his side. Now, I don't know if he was just playing dead while his boat deflates and they just you know to, no, to... He's, he's lying down so he doesn't get shot more That's right okay so he's, just, he's just laying he wasn't even moving just laying there like on his side well, like he, you, yeah. I, I, I mean obviously yeah playing dead wouldn't be the worst thing to do either right but, but i mean i think he was also just like either holding a leg or whatever he got hit in and okay also trying to avoid more more gunfire being placed at him either way it, it was the end they, they stopped firing at him and they figured okay well if if 
the bullet didn't kill him, then the, the hypothermia, the cold water would, would definitely take him out. So yeah. we're, they, we're, we're talking around a lot of one big thing, though. Uh, yeah. what, what's been made abundantly clear to me throughout season two, it's Strand's boat. <laughs> it, that's, it that, is his boat. It, it is Strand's boat. And it's that his goddamn is, boat. Okay. It's his, it's his goddamn boat. And he wants that boat fixed. Pretty pleased with a cherry on top. He wants all of these things. So I don't know if I believe Strand being the one that takes off. I don't I don't buy that in my mind. I don't I don't see Strand as a person who immediately ditches the boat. Like I, I don't know what the plan of attack is in that scenario. I I, I mean yeah. I understand that he sent Nick, you know, Captain Nick Old Man Clothes up. This name's going to get longer and longer, I swear, through the season. It's going to be Captain Nick Old Man Clothes covered in guts. Good and uh, gore. Officer Esquire yeah. because he, like, takes the bar during the hot, like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, I mean, I don't buy that he would send Captain Nick Old Man Clothes off to shore to get Luis, and then, like, maybe they could randomly find him or something like that. So I don't, I don't, I don't see Strand as a guy that abandoned ship. Being the captain of uh, the cap for one thing, cap never abandons the ship. That's I mean, so that's, it, was, it was out of character for Strand, is what you're saying. It seemed I mean, completely out of character. Yeah. Like I, I would, I could see him maybe trying to hide on the boat. Go no, there of course there's a place to hide on there. There's all kinds of like, you know, I'm sure like cargo areas or whatnot where he can like you know box himself in or whatnot. But it seems wildly out of place for Strand to be the the first one to jump off of the ship with no possible way of getting anywhere else. I yeah, mean, I, thought, his, I thought about his, that too. It didn't he had make his phone sense. with him, so it's yeah. like, okay, I, I, the show wants me to think that he's like trying to call somebody to like pick him up, but I just don't see him as a guy that leaves the boat. I don't see that ever happening. See, I think with these flashbacks, <clears throat> we, we see more of his motivations, and I think that at that point, since he was that close to Lewis, or Lewis's house, or they were docked near his house, he was trying to make it there. I think he was trying to just just he he wants to get back to Abigail so bad it seems like that he's just at this point okay look let me just try to get to Lewis the boat's gone at this point he, he's desperately trying to get back home if you I will. think I I believe that's what the show was telling me but like whatever you want, emotionally whatever you want to say it, yeah, it didn't fit it didn't it fit. why is he paddling away it looks ridiculous yeah. almost right it's like it, what is he doing yeah it doesn't resonate with me in that way yeah so you wanted to see him turn Steven Seagal and just like under siege right and just take the boat back and use some knives and wire and you know just kill these guys that's what you wanted to see right I mean that's what I, I mean, wanted to see my, my preferred boating terrorist uh, reference is of course speed to cruise control but it's I'll cruise go under yeah. <laughs> cruise control <laughs> I'm more of an under siege two dark territory fan. So when Rick and the gang okay. get on a train, if they get on a train, you know, then I'll be all about that reference. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Casey Ryback's on that train. Okay. Anyway, so we let's keep- make more Steven Seagal '90s <laughs> references. <on this show. laughs> you Hard to the, kill, you man. The- That's my favorite. Hard to kill. Let's take it to the bank. It's all the, about it's the all blood about bank. It. It's all about executive decision where he gets killed the first half hour of that movie. He like, gets sucked into the air, right? Exactly. He's just gone. That's, that's easily yeah. the best Steven Seagal moment right there. Seeing him flying the out of the, of, the, of the the airplane, yeah. And we should do a whole. We should just we should start our own podcast about Steven Seagal movies. Listen, too. I'm right. I love Steven. Seagal. I w- I would be right there with you because I all of his films are just I love them. They're so they're perfect. It's like just so they're so cheesy but good. I could watch all of them, honestly. I'm, this I'm, is all yeah. staying in the podcast. So, be, so listeners, you encourage this if you want Craig and I to start a Steven Seagal podcast. Let us know, the, okay? The only, you... the only downside is I have to actually revisit Steven Seagal movies. But you know, besides that, <laughs> Kelly LeBrock, man, come on, he's hard to kill. He gets, you know, they get back for justice, out for justice. The other one, right? Uh, oh, there's so many good ones, man. Uh, anyway, let us know, listeners. <laughs> so we cut to the first flashback. We see 
on TV. They're at a, a strand is at a bar with, with next to somebody, and we find out later it's Thomas Abigail. But on the TV, we see that Hurricane Katrina just happened in in Louisiana, New Orleans, and that puts it at circa September 2005. If we're dating this thing, so. Um, Strand is at a bar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, never mind. No, I, I remember ahead. it. No, I, no, no, no. I remember it threw me off in the moment because I didn't think we were. I didn't realize we were in a flashback, and I was like, "What? That doesn't make any." And then I was like, "Oh, we're in a flashback." <laughs> and way you, more yeah, no, I agree. And they did this subtle, um, like a lens change or something. The coloring was a little different in the flashback. I don't know if you caught that. It was a little warmer. The yeah, colors. So, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yes, yeah, so it was subtle though. It wasn't like intense. It wasn't like black and white or something. Like they made it just a subtle difference, so you knew you were a little bit out of time. Um. And then Strand, we see him again at the bar chatting with who we'll find out is Thomas Abigail. And they're chatting about real estate, buying and selling property. Strand admits that all of his property honestly just got destroyed by Katrina. He's bankrupt. He's done. Everything he owned, all of his liquid money or whatever, it's all tied up in that property, and he's he's done. And there's a lot of this close talking. You notice this. They're sitting really close to each other, and Abigail's kind of reaching for his tie and feeling it. And Abigail describes himself as an opportunist, and he's a parasite. So what did you think about the whole little bar scene? Did you get some vibes off of that right away? Or what, what, were you, what were you thinking right there? Well, the first thing I was thinking is, well, there's DeGray Scott. This is where he is now. Okay, I get, I get oh, that. Oh, yeah, that yeah, was him, huh? Okay, I yeah, didn't I even know looking, that. Yeah, I was looking at him. It was like, oh, there's the guy that was going to be Wolverine. And then Mission Impossible 2 called and said, we need to do reshoots. And so he lost out on being Wolverine. Oh, that, that's um, great trivia right there. <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's mainly what I think of DeGray Scott as. I know lots of women think of him as Prince Charming and Cinderella and the and, and never ever ever after that, that ever after movie. right okay mm-hmm. yeah um and he's popped up he, he pops up in lots of places like he's he's fine and so like he's popped up here and i was like okay that's clearly this person's going to be important because that's a major actor playing. that is a pretty major actor yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so that uh, and then i you know i started i started trying to really read the scene and you mentioned the color palette change and what i noted what what i thought about that was there's something of a there's a there's a romantic angle going on here and sure enough that is how things play out it was very like, subtle it, it was, was very, it was very subtle, but I was, I, I like, I liked. This is part of why I like this episode. Why I don't, mind, I don't too much mind the strand stuff because it led to this flashback, which was actually pretty creative in what it was trying to do. It was setting up essentially a meat cute for Strand. That was that was the yeah. kind of his backstory here, which yeah. leads to major other things that happened in this plot. But yeah, learning about who Strand is. That's automatically interesting because, as you know, I've established, Strand is the best character on the show. For, uh, <laughs> hands down, I'm, no one's going to argue with you on that, honestly. Yeah. I mean, so, maybe some of Daniel's backstory in El Salvador could be cool, but I don't think it's as cool as learning about Strand. You know, yeah, it won't be nearly as interesting. I'd say it's yeah. probably more fairly stock. With I, I think I, I just get it from the weariness in Ruben Blad's face, so I, I got that right there. I don't know Coleman Domingo, the actor, very well. I, I so I'm just intrigued by this character who talks very intensely and is very pragmatic about things. <laughs> like it's right it's neat to see this person. Who I don't I don't see very often in things, and then like I'm learning about this. And he, you know, he jumped on the ship like halfway through the first season, and clearly the show is is, is very you know interested in who this person is because it's showing me a whole backstory about who he is, and I like I like learning it. I like that he's he was a man of you know certain amount of wealth, and it's kind of lost on him, and he's kind of become sort of something of a con artist to a point. Oh, and, big uh, time! I mean, he's definitely is is is, and they both are apparently. I mean, you know, they they find each other in this bar. We yeah. also learn again. It's very subtle. They packed a lot into these, these flashbacks. But Strand's father was a preacher, mm-hmm. and his mother was gone. Coming, so. to, coming soon to AMC this May. <laughs> Son of a preacher, man. That was it. 
Um, but cool, you learn little details, little threads. I like that. We cut to later that night. We're still in the flashback, and Strand is carrying Thomas back to his room. He was obviously annihilated. He drank way too much. He places him in bed, takes off his jacket and shoes, very thoughtful, puts a little little bottle of water next to his bed, and then proceeds to steal his credit cards because he realizes that Thomas is totally gone. But Thomas is somewhat awake, and he kind of leans over and says, maybe I won't remember. And Strand does this little move with his hand, like this Jedi little go-to-sleep move. He goes, just like that, and kind of... You know, and then walks out of the room. Very cool. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I I want there to be, <laughs> I want there to be be a gift that like cuts to Luke Skywalker and then to Force Awakens face just sitting there like pensively, <laughs> just right there afterwards. Well, we do cut to the present day and we see Strand. He is still alive and he's kind of hanging on to the, what's left of the deflated raft, and he's trying to keep his sat phone dry. We see that he's kind of keeping the battery and blowing into it and making sure it can still work. We then cut back to the boat. Uh, Reed is upset because he wants to know where the keys to the boat are. And then he starts beating up on Chris again, which I'm pretty much yeah. okay with. Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, he just really whacks him pretty hard. He Chris gives the extra pouty face, and then he has a gun put to his head. And what does he say? He says, Dad! Dad! He does a little screech. Okay. Mm-hmm. Travis convinces the gunman that Strand has the keys, and basically they just shot at him. But... If he lets his son go, he will hotwire the boat. He knows how to do it. He can he can rig it so the boat can start. Um, Maddie then appears. She's awake again. And it is. I yeah. mean, it is go a ahead. fairly like I didn't think Chris was going to die in this scene, but at the same time, there's a person with a gun pointing it at his son, and Cliff Kurt or Travis is trying to you know kind of piece together like what to do about this. And I'm like, what is the end game? It's like all right, he's going to try and BS his way out of this. It's like oh, I'll fix the boat. All right, well, that makes sense. Yeah, it, it it there's the light, there was the right level of intensity. Like yeah, it felt real. The whole thing felt very like real. I, I didn't see besides Chris's bad acting, I really didn't have a problem with any of what happened right there. You're right. It was it was he was trying to protect his son. Really, um, Maddie again appears. She, she's conscious again, and um, uh, they Jack takes Abigail to the top deck and talk deck wants to talk to her and maddie's like no please no but abigail says it's okay i'm just gonna go with him it'll be fine uh and then jack and abigail are talking and jack reveals that their leader their name is his name is connor is en route and that don't worry it'll be okay he listens to me or something whatever that means on land we see bloody nick do his best zombie walk to fool the one walker that's walking down the street like and we never saw this again in the original Walking Dead. They would just cover themselves in guts, but they wouldn't really walk like zombies. They just kind of walk slow, you know. And Nick really has this whole thing down. Like, he not only does he cover himself in the guts and blood, but he actually does the walk. He does the zombie walk. Yeah, he, he does the zombie shuffle. And it's, you know, it, I, I like the approach. Like, it, I, I don't know how necessary it was, but I think he's doing that more of just kind of a, if I need to keep doing this, I better get a grip on how I'm going to do it type thing. Um and I think in the pre, you know, in the pre, in the Walking Dead proper, I think there's there, you know, when that happens, they do tend to be surrounded by a horde of zombies. So I think it's a little less important of them doing a shuffle and more of them just okay, okay. being with, you know, kind of riding with riding the wave essentially. Yeah, Where it's just this. It might be a little more, you know, not that we know too much about zombie biology, but it might be a little more suspicious to a zombie if you just see a person walking around covered and you know, even slowly, however slowly you might see, but just kind of walking as as a normal person just happens to be covered in zombie guts. That's a good point. I mean, we've seen it quite a bit. I mean, we've seen Michonne do it um, a bit, too, where she had only a few around her, and she just kind of uh-huh. walked slow. She didn't really walk yeah. with the shuffle, but I think Nick is doing it purposely. I don't know if this is the actor just doing it, or maybe it's written in the script, but he's really getting good at emulating these things. I mean, he's just, he's just getting into their 
that whole uh, world in yeah. camouflage. Yeah. It's certainly it's certainly purposeful on the character's part because you know we we already saw him stare one down in the eyes one. Like he's really again he's trying to kind of tap into the mind of a zombie for the sake of whatever he whatever he deems it why why ever he deems it to be necessary for his mission here. Right. Just in general, uh, blending in. <laughs> I'm totally cool with it though. I, I'm loving it. I mean, it's it's fine. It's adding a new dimension to his character, and I'm definitely liking that. He's turning into a warrior in his own way. He's learning the art of camouflage with these things, and that's his yeah. that's his way of survival. And he's doing a good job with it. We also see that he has an address written down on a piece of paper, and I guess we figure he's going to that address. We just still don't know where he's going at this point, but we know he's heading towards a house. We cut to another flashback, the second flashback. We see Strand in a posh hotel room. He's in a nice terry cloth robe. He's enjoying room service. A knock at the door. Strand thinks it's it's uh, housekeeping, but when he opens the door, we see it is our ex drunk friend who introduces himself as Thomas Abigail and his friend Louis Flores. Abigail struts in. He admires Strand's new suit that's hanging there on a little valet and knows that Strand withdrew thirty six thousand dollars in cash advances on the stolen credit cards. And then he intends to ask, you know, Strand, what did you do with the money? I mean, you spent some on the suit, and I'm glad you did, but where's the rest of it? And Strand says he used it to purchase some kind of credit card debt, I suppose, to do some kind of collections. And that's what he's done before in the past. So, again, adding dimensions even to his past before the flashback. Um, He then said, in five years, I can turn this money into what I had before and buy some real estate, and he'll be right back to where he was. Abigail is admiring Strand throughout all this. He's sitting down calmly, and he's kind of smirking. He's admiring Strand, and he says that Strand has the ability to create beauty out of something coarse. Hmm. Strand says, I am a student of the fine. Cool line there. I like that one a lot. Yeah. And he intended to pay the money back with interest. Whether that's true or not, we don't really know. Abigail says, okay, I agree to those terms. And Strand then thanks him for the pardon, but Abigail walking out saying, I didn't pardon you. I obligated you. Mm-hmm. And that directly mirrors, I think, what Strand first told Nick in the cages when they were in Los Angeles in the in the, in the pen there. He said, I obligated him or something. Because Nick yeah. asked, why did you save me? He goes, I didn't save you. I obligated you. Yes, it's a it's a callback. It's a callback, which is so. It's, I guess Abigail is his Yoda, I suppose. Strand's, you know, he's, he learned everything from, from Abigail, all of his tricks or most of his tricks. So what do you think about that flashback? It, again, it's just it's it's interesting uh, coloring to uh, Strand's character. I, I, I and you know seeing putting the pieces together, um, you, you know trying to because you know you've been wondering what Strand's up to this whole you know season as far as the boat goes and where it's headed and whatnot and you know even where all this where his objective is coming from and now we're like kind of slowly piecing it together and it's nothing that I expected and so I like that quite a bit. Like it's completely yeah. out of left field as far as what you way most likely thought it could have been, which you know we kind of all assumed was drug related in some way. Um, which shame on us. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you, you, you see massive yachts and huge houses, you tend to think drug money, but I guess it's real estate money in, instead. So okay, well, it's that, and it's more of a, it's more of it comes more, for me. It comes more of a thought on just basic cliches rather than like who I'm seeing or whatnot. So yeah, but, but still like it had, um, the, it had the air of the underworld, right? It's yes, strand exactly. had that air. He was like, and okay. it still basically does. I mean, it's not like Ab- Thomas Abigail didn't come in with a, you know, a guy holding a gun in his hand, like trying to figure things out. So, I mean, there's, yeah, there's, there is something going on. That's not probably not quite on the level, but um, no, I, I'm enjoying what I'm seeing just because I didn't expect it. 
It, very cool. No, I, I like these flashbacks a lot. Back on the boat, Travis is. We see him hot wiring the boat and tells Reed that he needs to get to the engine room to finish the job. When, when reality, he probably doesn't, but he uses it as a ruse to to get a weapon. Um, and then Maddie starts working some psychology on the pregnant girl, trying to get into her head and her head and psych her out a bit, and you know, say how long has it been since you felt the baby move, and how long are you along, and trying to really mess with this girl's head a little bit. And then simultaneously, Alicia is using some persuasion on Jack, although a little bit. You know, nicer. She's trying to play like she's her his girlfriend or something, and he gets him to untie her and convinces him to attempt to save her family. At least try to convince Connor, who's coming, to save her family. Back on land, Nick is just strolling the streets. We see him dribbling a basketball. I mean, just I like seeing Nick. I don't know. It's just <laughs> guy covered in blood, just strolling down the street, dribbling a basketball. Just okay. Just another day in the world. <laughs> Walking his beat, doing his thing. Yeah, he's finding an address. He's just, it's nothing for him. This is like, you know, it's great. He finally arrives at the address. He knocks on the door. Luis Flores appears from around the corner and holds a gun on him. Nick tells him, no, don't shoot. I'm here. Victor Strand sent me to pick you, pick you up. And Luis, we see, seems to be a little bit of a neat freak. Like, he doesn't want bloody Nick in his Porsche Panamera. And Nick says to him in a clever way, well, why? Are you going to bring the car on the boat? Like, what's the difference? And it's kind of a cute little little scene there between the two yeah. of them. Although uh, he, does, he does end up cleaning up, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, does. He, he makes him do it. He goes, yeah, use the last of the water pressure and go go clean yourself up. Exactly. Um, Maddie, we see, cut back to the boat again. Maddie's still working a number on the pregnant girl. Travis emerges from the engine room and hides a crowbar, it looks like, or some kind of big screwdriver. Yeah, like he, he, yeah crowbar and, like, and like another piece of big piece of metal. Just, yeah, for yeah, whatever, whatever weapon repurpose get you can serve in the in the cushions in the couch cushion right for the gang to use. So we are now joined by Mister Jim Dietz. Welcome back to the show. We missed you, Jim. Oh well, don't oversell it, everybody. I'm back though. We missed you, and last <laughs> week, listen, you, we give you credit. You tried to join. We had some major Skype problems last week, and we couldn't get really any of your audio into the show. But thank you. You're coming in loud and clear tonight. So welcome back. No worries. I'm I'm glad I could join. So, what were your thoughts uh, on this last episode of Fear the Walking Dead? I uh, I think the show is definitely improving. Like over the past few episodes, like the I, I like the tension in this episode. Um, I like the bit with uh, the bits with Nick and Louise. Yeah, uh, I like the, the we got more background on Strand this episode because um, he's been one of the characters I've been most interested in. It was cool to get a little bit of his background. Oh, yeah. uh, this episode so yeah i really think this uh, the show is starting to actually gel so yeah yeah i'm liking it I, I hope they do and i was telling this to aaron too i hope they do more of these flashbacks like they didn't do many in the original walking dead i mean maybe we can do more of this style because i'm, I'm kind of liking it but i i i like it to a point like I, i'm the same way on like walking dead i don't need it to be like lost style like we get like just intense backstories on every single character but like it if it serves like a good purpose and it's not like over over long um I'm, I'm happy to welcome it It mainly because i just when i'm watching walking dead and i like the strand the strand stuff but it's like i don't like seeing like technology and you know world not in dystopian terror and whatnot like it's needed alexandria right now because because you know it's been what five seasons of 
right. the gang in the woods. In the, in the woods. So it's a nice, it's a nice change of pace. Oh, they have electricity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They've got they're, they're clean. They're taking showers. Like it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but like you know, it's a card that can play. I'd like it to be played, you know, occasionally and not too much, not to ruin the goodwill on that. Just sprinkle aspect. it in. Sprinkle it a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So we're at the point now, Jim, where uh, you know, Travis just came up from the engine room and he hid that crowbar in the couch cushion for the gang to use, and then we. Cut back to shore, and Lewis uh, explains to to Nick that they don't have the money or the resources to get to Mexico for all seven people. He's like, what do you mean there's seven people? He goes, this was a careful plan. It was just for Lewis and Strand to get down to Mexico. And he even said that there's a flotilla in the way, which I'm assuming is a flotilla, which is a convoy of boats or some kind of string of boats that could be blocking the way to Mexico. Did you guys catch that line too? Uh, Not quite. Um, Okay. I'm trying to recall uh, it right now. Uh, yeah, I, I remember the line. I just, I, I just assumed it was like maybe the Coast Guard, like like closing the borders or oh, something. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. So he's thinking um, it's still like the civilization. It was the the government or something flotilla. Okay, right. I mean, they were trying. Remember how they uh, they clamped down on that one neighborhood that they you know, we started out in season one. I mean, I was just assuming they were, you know, clamping down on the borders. You know, trying to you know stop the. You know, overflow zombies or whatever from Mexico or from or from California, depending on which which way the zombies roll. You know, they may migrate. You know, in the winter they go you know south and they go north in the summer. Who knows, right? They may they may move up and down. But I mean, I don't. Know, they're on a beautiful yacht. They got plenty of fuel. It's like couldn't they just go out to sea a little bit and then kind of go around to Mexico? Take long. I don't know. It didn't seem like there'd be a problem for that boat, but whatever. He dropped the line in there, so I guess they're hinting that there's some something blocking the way for them getting to Mexico, and they need need strand to to get them past it. We cut to another flashback and we see Strand and Abigail getting some sun. They're near they're on a pool. I think they're at that house in Mexico that they're trying to get to it seems like. They're in Baja somewhere. And yeah. um yeah, you got that too, right? They're near the pool. They're having some drinks. And at this point we fast forward a little bit because Strand is now part of Abigail's real estate empire it seems like and he's still learning the ropes. He wants to propose buying some land to some board or something. And then we see them first touch hands. They hold hands at that point after the little conversation. Which again, I just I I enjoyed how it was set up. Like it, it played well for me in seeing this take place. Yeah, and even at that point, I wasn't sure that something was going on. Like you felt it, but it's like, all right, maybe this guy's just touchy feely, and he just wanted you know he's friends with Strand, and he held his hand. I'm like, I, I, I didn't get it till the very end that there was actually you know they were they were lovers. Unless maybe I'm just I was thinking differently. I don't know. But back I on mean, the boat, yeah, but yeah. I, mean, you know, I mean, the show, <clears throat> it's, you know, for a show that I, you know, I constantly ridicule for how it's a lack of subtlety uh, doesn't do the best, doesn't do wonders for it. I, I am happy how it kind of slow played what was re- what was kind of going on with Strand. I, I, I certainly I picked I myself picked up on it, but I did like how the show wasn't kind of like like just saying, like, look at us. Look, look what we're doing right. here. Like, it was just more of like, here, this is a thing that's happening right now. Here's character work. It made sense in in terms of the character as well. It, it wasn't like just out of the blue, like hey, yes. you know, yeah. you know. Yeah. It made it made sense for you know the character in context. So I, you know, I thought it was fine. I thought, like you said, you know, not not a show known for its subtlety usually. Yeah. <laughs> but I will give them credit where credit is due here for just you know for being you know just a matter of fact and again very much you know part of the character's story. So. Yeah, it was. I liked it very much. Uh, back on the boat, another uh, boat seems to be coming towards the yacht. It's a it's a power boat, motor boat uh, this time, and uh, it appears that Connor, the leader of the gang, is on board. 
Travis then starts the yacht. He's able to hotwire it finally because he's instructed to from Reed on, on the bridge. And then Connor comes on board with his little gang of whatever, pirates. Or he, and then says he's going to take Alicia and Travis with him back to wherever they're going. And he leaves Reed and gang on the boat. But Jack tries to convince him, hey, look, we don't have to kill these people. How about we just let them go to shore? And Connor agrees, okay, yeah, you can take them back to shore. That's fine. But then as soon as Connor leaves... Reed has other ideas about what he wants to do with the the survivors on this yacht. Of course he does. <laughs> He's out for blood. Yeah, it's the kind of thing where, like, as much as I was appreciating him beating on Chris, this guy really is annoying. Like, so it's like, I, I yeah, we can. We can He's deal like with stereotypical. That. He's like a stereotypical baddie. You know, it's like I don't know. Yeah, and, and, and unfortunately, he didn't. He apparently did not perish at the end of this week's episode, like I thought he did, based off the next on. Yep. Um, right, you uh, see trailer. him still giving information or something, right? Yeah. yeah, so he's still around, at least in at least at some point. So he wants to kill them all. He he really is about to do that, and then suddenly Nick and Lewis on another rubber boat are arriving towards the Abigail, but but Nick notices that there's people that should not be on the boat there. They're armed. Lewis says, "I hold on a second, and he gets a sniper rifle out of one of his bags, and he just basically headshots two of the gunmen from a really nice distance away. So it was a good, good, good shooting there from Lewis's part. Someone's been playing. Someone's been playing Call of Duty. <laughs> it was quick too, because it's just like a it was like hold on a second, then like cut right to him just shooting these guys. It was great. I mean, it was just good. Lewis is a badass. We basically established that right from the rip. So okay, I'm 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 fine with that. He saves the day." Uh, then Maddie, in the confusion, grabs the crowbar that uh, that Travis left in the cushion and basically impales Reed through the back, or it, it comes out through his stomach. So he's he's in pretty bad shape. And then Chris does a stupid move, like he tries to make the guy hurt more or something by jamming the thing. I don't know. He just kind of made this move yeah, on. Yeah, he, he's doing like that. How do you like it? Bah, yeah, right. I'm a child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Lewis gets on board with Nick, and Nick explains it's okay. Lewis is a friend, and, you know, because Daniel was ready to take him out or whatever. And Lewis demands to know where Strand is, and that the only way they're getting to Mexico is with Strand. Daniel says, we don't need Strand. We don't need him. He's ready to just cut ties with him. But Maddie says that he was shot on the water, and he went down. And then we go to our final flashback, and we see Strand in the suit that he was in when we first saw him in L.A. And he's basically talking to Thomas Abigail in the bedroom and says... I'll only be in L.A. for a couple of days. I'm going to buy some land. It's a good time. There's a lot of chaos there and because of the virus outbreak, apparently. And Abigail's a little worried. He doesn't want Strand to, to go. He doesn't want him. And Strand says, don't worry. I'll be back in two days. It'll be fine. And then they, they have a kiss, essentially. They, they, they kiss at that point, so we know that they really are lovers. And, um, and then that's it. We see Strand kind of walk away, and then we cut back to Maddie rescuing Strand from the water, in in the rubber raft, so they do pull him out, and he is okay. He's alive to a certain extent. We assume. I mean, I don't. I don't yeah. think the show's about to get rid of Strand, but it does kind yeah. of like it makes it kind of this uh, a little like ethereal as far as like how it's like being shown or whatnot as she's like pulling out of the water, and it's like his perspective type thing. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun, it's a cool shot. Like it's 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 a fun ending. No, it's good. I think it, it was a tight episode. I just look. I mean, Kirkman's been hinting this for a while that there's going to be a quote-unquote gay character on The Walking Dead. I didn't think it was going to be in fear, but I guess this is where it ended up. Maybe it'll be... Maybe, well, I mean, no, we got, we got Aaron, Aaron and... Uh, what's his face? Aaron and Eric. Seen, who was never seen last season of The Walking Dead. Yeah, Aaron um, and Eric. I mean, yeah. 
I, I don't know. I mean, but he hinted that it would, like, and then their internet went crazy thinking it was going to be Daryl. Remember that? Everyone's like, oh, Daryl's going to, they're going to say he's gay. And the internet almost burned down at that point. But I mean, I don't know. Do you think it just adds complexity to the character or is it just gratuitous at this point? I think it adds complexity to the, not, not the, the fact that the character is, is gay, just the yeah. idea that there's a relationship between him and this Abigail character that was, again, different than what I expected it to be. Not different in the way it's like, oh, it's gay, that's different, but, but in terms of, I don't even know why we're going on this topic this long, honestly. But yeah. just in terms of, it's a, it is a, a relationship based off of a man who tried to con another person and that turned into something different than where it could have gone. Yeah, I... I... <laughs> I guess and, the reason you know, I'm talking gay, about it because you know, yeah. well, you know, gay, gay, straight, or whatever. I'm more interested in the the way the characters relate to one another and whether it makes sense in the context of them and the story that they're trying to tell. And it totally did. So, I'm liking everything that happened in this episode. I have no problem with any of it. I guess because Kirkman's been saying all along, we're going to have a character that's like this. It's like he made a point to make this happen. I guess I don't know. It just seemed, but it worked though. Actually, it was complex and. Even Coleman Domingo said in, on, on The Talking Dead that originally his character was not going to go this way. They, they had something else written for him, that he was he had a family and he had some daughters or something. And then they, between season one and season two, they came up with this idea. And he said once he read that and he heard that, he was so on board. He goes, this is great. It makes his character very complex. Well, and it's also different from most of the other characters we're familiar with. We know all the right. characters on The Walking Dead. You know, they had... It, again, I, I haven't like have add like caveats as if like this matters, but like you know we've had plenty of characters that had you know families and had kids and whatnot. It is neat right. To, it's neat to see this story being told, not because like Jim said, you know, gay straight whatever. Just be just the way it's unfolding, what we're seeing here, the dynamic between these two characters. It's different. I, I I'm liking everything I'm seeing. The, the more strand I'm seeing, and even this, this backstory, I'm loving it. I'm just thinking, I don't know. It, it's just cool. It's just different, I guess. But very interesting. So that brings an end to this week's episode. Jim, would you mind discussing who our wonderful sponsor is? Uh, DCBService.com and their uh, their uh, joint other site, uh, InStockTrades.com. Uh, have been our sponsors for, for some time now, and we're happy to have them as sponsors because not only can you get all of your pop culture goodies and needs, your graphic novels, your your action figures, your toys, your cool T-shirts, uh, whatever uh, uh, you, you can think of in the pop culture realm, uh, you can get it there with great customer service and at a great price. They offer comics for 30 40 50 sometimes 60% off, a lot of times cheaper than you can find on Amazon even um, or any of the other really big sites. Um, and you get the personalized customer service that comes with um, DCB service that you don't get with the bigger uh, sites, you know, like Amazon or what have you. Um, they really care about their customers. If there's a problem, they make it right. Their shipping is always on time. Uh, if you need to change an order on the fly, they accommodate that as well. They're really great. You can check out their site at dcbservice.com and see all the different uh, uh, specials and discounts they have this week. I know right now uh, shipping this week is the uh, Walking Dead adult coloring book that we've been talking about. Uh, that's coming out this uh, tomorrow as we record uh, Wednesday, uh, May 4th. May the 4th be with you, by the way. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> I figure I get the first one in since we're recording now. Yeah. But uh, it's the, the Walking Dead adult coloring book and it's basically just the, the Charles Adler and the Tony Moore art uh, from the original black and white in the comic comic book, blown up large, so you can color it. You know, I know there's a big craze with adult coloring or whatever, 
Um, there's also a new series of Walking Dead blind bags from McFarland that are due next month. You can order those ahead of time, also at a discount. Something I really enjoy collecting because I can never have too many little zombies around the house, uh, I find. <laughs> Uh, but, I mean, the graphic novels, if you want to get caught up on the Walking Dead comic, there's a lot of great ways to do it, all at a great price, all with great service. And, uh, you know, it's a company that you'll want to give your business to because they're good people and they mean you well. Uh, so, dcbservice.com, instocktrades.com. Uh, check out the sites, check out their discounts, and we thank them for uh, their patronage. Thank you, Jim. All right, so let's get on to our Toby ratings uh, so, Aaron, what was your Toby rating for this episode? I go four Tobys out of five here. I think it's a solid episode. Again, I the, my minor quibble is the fact that I don't believe Strand would get off the boat, but it did lead to an intriguing, you know, look back at who Strand is and where he's coming from. And also, Captain Nick Old Man Clothes is doing some just fine work in this episode. I, I like I like the kind of side story that he has. I like how we're just thrown into it. We don't get too much kind of like you need to do this and that like all this exposition we just kind of get thrown right into the middle and we pick it up the pieces as we go along and even the kind of um the uh, the uh, i don't know what to call them the katrina pirates coming aboard the boat you know, they're 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 the captain <laughs> now. captain jack and the uh right jack sparrow captain jack captain jack and the shrimp shack shooters they're you know they're off the boat there and you go. yeah and it's uh it's it's good stuff. I mean, and we got to see Chris get beat in the face a bunch of times. So you know, everything worked out. It seems it, it, things work out in the end. That's it. Uh, Jim, what about you? I guess one of four out of five. The show is definitely improving. Um, the characters, I'm, I'm I'm getting a little more uh, in tune with one another. I mean, we got to see a lot of teamwork here. You know, with our group, with Salazar getting Reed's gun when uh, Maddie, you know, hits him with a crowbar, and then Chris jumps into. You know, I mean, they're coming coming together as a group a lot more. At least what I'm seeing now, um, we're seeing a lot more definition on the characters I'm interested in. Um, there's a lot more tension, uh, a lot more interesting uh, plot going on than there was earlier in the season. I really think the show's starting to you know come into its own, and I'm happy to see it. So, uh, four out of five for this episode for me. Thank you. I'll give it a 4.25 Tobies. Um, you know, I, I liked it a lot. I think the only thing that held it back, and I'm, I'm being a little generous with the rating, but I think the only thing that held it back was the acting from the pirates and just the stuff that happened on the boat. I think it was a little over the top, a little stereotypical. But the, the flashbacks with Strand and the just that whole backstory, seeing Nick on the on the you know on the shore and his little interactions with Lewis, even though they were they were fleeting, there was some great stuff there. I'm liking where this is going. Again, I mean a little generous, but I, I, if, if it keeps up this pace, I'll be very – or this quality or this caliber of episode, I'll be pretty happy with the rest of them if it keeps going this way. And I hope it does because it's, it's creating some intrigue. It's creating some, some interest in these characters, and I like that a lot. I like the – again, the Strand backstory was, story was great. Hopefully some more flashbacks will, will happen, maybe some about Maddie's past and, and you know even some of the other characters. It may give them some more much-needed dimension. Uh, so I'm liking it. I'll give it an optimistic 4.25 Tobies. But who cares what we think? Our listeners, they leave their Toby ratings on the Facebook page. It's facebook.com and do a search for The Walking Dead TV Podcast. It's a great group. We've got uh, 788 members right now. And every week at, at, at the end of each episode, we put a little post up. And thanks, Aaron, again for taking care of that this week. We were busy recording Star Trek and we totally lost track of time and we, uh, we didn't put the post up there. So I appreciate that. And you can leave your Toby ratings. So. Jim, if you'd be so kind to go through, what did our listeners have to say about this week's episode? 
Um, sure, Max Sofer gave uh, the episode 4.5 out of 5 unwanted passengers. I've got to say, this show is starting to get pretty good. That said, I kind of can't wait for it to end. I really want to watch Preacher. I, I'm there with you, but the show is, is improving. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to Preacher as well. Um, I'm a little confused as to why Strand jumped in, uh, to the conclusion he needed to abandon ship instead of just hiding or something, but it didn't really affect anything. So I'm okay with it. And then uh, our own Aaron Newarth piped in, for all my supporters Strand on the podcast, that was the least Strand thing for him to do. <laughs> I, I kind of agree. I was, uh, it was, I, I was surprised that he had abandoned ship. Um, Tarek Awar, uh, four potential zombie babies out of five. Uh, I love that the Strand-based episode is the best episode so far. Now I hope the season ends with the group trying to save Travis. They find him, they get cornered by the final capture, and all of a sudden stab in the back, Tobias with a scar on his face. <laughs> I love this knife. <laughs> uh, David B. the third, I four ambiguously gay duos out of five. I <laughs> uh, totally love the plot we now have, and I'm ready for the next chapter of Strand and his shenanigans. Uh, Richard Chopper Cherry Charrington, uh, for the second season, is improving out of five. I much agree. Uh, a lot better episode than liking the unfolding backstory of Strand. P.S. A week behind on the podcast, but thanks for continuing with the Chopper Cherry. Facebook decided to remove it against my wishes. <laughs> you always be Chopper Cherry to me, Richard. So oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't take that away from you. Because, you know, because that's what Ch Chubto questioned it. He goes, isn't his name Chopper Cherry? And then... You know, he, I'm friends with him on Facebook, so he did take it off a little while ago. But I said, no, he'll he'll always be Chopper Cherry, and you you chimed in with the same sentiment. So you're right. Of course, uh, Rob Cook, four missing, irritating, Fear the Walking Dead intro noises out of five. Uh, Strand yeah. suddenly, Strand suddenly panicking seemed a little out of character, but the backstory was interesting. Uh, Nick Zombie Guts is proving to be the most capable character in the zombie apocalypse. He's positively reveling in it. So, Aaron, there you go. It's Nick Old Man Clothes Zombie Guts. What do you think? Is that going to be his, his long name? Is that how we're doing it now? <coughs> uh, Captain Nick uh, Old excuse Man Clothes Zombie Guts. <laughs> Captain. <laughs> Don't take away his uh, commission by any means. So it's Captain Nick Old Man Clothes Zombie Guts. It'll yeah. I got to start writing this acronym down. <laughs> okay. So Rob, thank you. You you've added to the name. We we needed that. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, Kara Craig gives a 4.5 out of 5 stolen credit cards. I really liked it. My barometer on a good episode is if I want to watch it again right away. Last night was a late night with Fear and Game of Thrones. Uh, putting out great episodes on the same night. Strand may have started out just using Thomas Abigail, but uh, judging by his reaction to losing the satellite phone and his abandoning ship, I think he's really in love. Mm -hmm. uh, Mike Glicksman, 4 out of 5 zombie jamborees. It's good to see this show finally developing a story. Now for some character development, because I don't care about anyone other than Nick or Strand at this point. <laughs> well, Aaron's with you, Mike, so there you go. Perfect. Two out of seven ain't bad. Uh, Mike Jones is three Mexico borders out of five. The Strand story makes a lot more sense, but had too much of the other's vibe from the boarding party. Is it lost with zombies? It's still not great, but at least improved. Uh, Darren Appel, four bloody mimes out of five. Uh, Nick has become the ultimate ninja, <laughs> and I beg for a Nick Jesus team up. Oh, that'd be pretty cool. Huh. Uh, a, so a solid episode with an actual threat. Uh, Johnny Store, four out of five spikes through the gut. I think the people that came on, the two people on the boat found the raft. The strand cut off. That's how they knew all the people's names on the boat. Because Alicia didn't tell Jack the names. So he thinks it's it's uh, Alex and Jake. Okay, 
that that they picked up. All right, could be. We'll see. And Michael Santana for Navy SEAL worthy rifle sniper rifle shots from a bobbing Zodiac raft in the Pacific out of five. Yeah, those were pretty uh, spot on. <laughs> yeah, uh, at least at least things are moving along in the plot. Great to see some backstory on Strand. And uh, if you would like to join in the discussion, it's pretty easy to do. It's the Walking Dead TV podcast. It's on the Facebook. Uh, it's pretty popular with the young people, from what I understand. And uh, we we always uh, invite your ratings and discussion on the uh, the episodes uh, as they happen. Plus, it's the first place uh, you can find the newly posted episodes of the Walking Dead TV podcast as well. So check well, it out. Jim, thank you very much for sharing that. So, guys, any final thoughts? Any predictions? Um, well, I'm looking forward to when we, when we, you know, when the boat gets somewhere. I'm assuming it'll get there in the mid-season finale. Will probably be when we the boat actually arrives someplace because we still have to deal with this Connor character. Um, I'm curious. We didn't talk much about Connor, right? His name's Connor, right? His name is Connor, but I, we didn't really see much of him either. I mean, he was this leader of this gang, but they apparently didn't follow his orders that well. I mean, well, we what, yeah. What do you, what do you think he is? Like, I don't, like it hasn't. Nothing's happened long enough for him to, you know, be like, you know, Negan. So, like, I'll clear you, but he's obviously some kind of authority figure. Do you think he has, like, a massive boat somewhere or... Well, it like seems on, like in the in, land somewhere. Yeah, or? I think it's land because if you see the, well, the preview, it, it, again, it's hard to tell. It looks like he was in some kind of jail, like a wooden cell uh-huh. of some sort, which means he was kind of in a room. I don't think he was on a boat. Uh, I mean, Travis, that is. He was locked up. That's what it looked like to me. He was in some kind of cell. So I don't so really I get, think it's land. I don't think it's a boat. Let's put it that way. Unless it's a big boat. I don't know. So I, I guess I'm just curious, like, what power he's really assumed in the you know what weeks <laughs> that we that this yeah. happens like what 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 has put him in like this amount of power where he has underlings on with walkie talkies going around and raiding boats like pirates like that's that's a lot to happen in the short amount of time so I, I, if we're gonna get more you know if we're if this is like the big bad of the season I'm really hoping that we actually feel something for it and not just like a, we need a de facto villain to deal with. Yeah, you know, I was thinking the same thing. It's funny you say that. I'm like, yeah, how, how did all this happen? Like, where they're already preying on boats, they're they're fishing on radio channels, looking for susceptible people. Like, this is pretty sophisticated piracy going on for just like you said, a couple of weeks. I mean, it it does seem pretty short time for this to develop, but I don't know. We'll see what happens. Got, I guess. Who got taken off the boat? Well, I think it was Alicia and Travis. Travis. Because yeah, they were useful. Of some, I guess they determined them useful for some I, reason. Yeah, so I guess I just. Yeah, I wonder where things are going with that. That scene was confusing, by the way. I mean, it was they, they were shuffling a lot of people around real quick. I was like, all right. I think they rushed it because maybe of all the flashback stuff, they probably they had to just rush that ending a little bit. Which I mean, yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> that's, that, it's easy to say that, but it's not like they didn't know what they were going to be filming. And they did like they, they, they do like roundtables for these kind of things. Like they know how much stuff's going to happen in an episode. Mm. It just felt like bad staging. But uh, so it's, yeah, no, it's, probably, yeah. It's it's not like they you know shot an episode that was like oh it's an hour thirty minutes we didn't see that coming like they, they knew what they were doing so it's like just they just needed to film that better because I was I, I watch these shows pretty carefully and I I don't tend to be confused by where people are in the show <laughs> the show made this episode made that happen in an episode that was otherwise pretty great yeah uh, so I just yeah I'm I'm curious where this whole Connor thing is going and then obviously yeah I want to know what's gonna you know happen from here on now that we know more about Strand. And obviously, Luis is factored in now, so that's going to help a bit, too, as far as getting some more capable people that can handle themselves in a deadly situation as opposed to Chris making pouty faces. I mean, th- these are these are pluses in my book. So, But as yeah. one of our listeners mentioned, I mean, Nick has become like the, the, the one who's really thrived 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, zombie apocalypse. Which is kind of, I mean, that's kind of an issue, too, I have, where Maddie was being positioned to be, you know, essentially like the Rick character for the show. And that seems like that's kind of, that's simmered down in this second season, where it's it's kind of going back and forth between Travis and Maddie, which seems like a inconsistent character work, to be honest. And then you have Nick, who's emerged suddenly as not necessarily like the Daryl of the show, but certainly someone much more capable than he was the first time around. But Strand was right. I mean, Strand predicted that yeah. Nick would be the most useful out of this entire group, and even out of the entire, like, getting back to the pens that they were in in, in L.A., like, out of that whole pen of all the people in there, he identified Nick as the most useful out of them. So he saw something in him. Yeah, so it just makes me wonder what the kind of writing process has been, if it's evolved as the show's gone on. Obviously, I think since, you know, there's been reactions to the first season, the writers had to take that into account and kind of form you know, branches off of where things are going. But obviously there has to be like a, there's like a set path for the most part of where things are going to be headed. So I'm just, I'm curious what that process has been where Nick, a character that I feel like a lot of people found annoying first time around has now become, you know, someone we really enjoy seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to think, did, did I ever think he was annoying? I'm thinking back. I mean, I don't th- well, regardless of no, I think we weren't yeah. like, we weren't favorable of him. I don't think yeah. we were like, thinking mm. Nick was like, the, this, the first, this, the first season it was, it was kind of, his character was kind of, self-absorbed with the drug obsession and all that rough he wasn't the mvp for sure like no i mean he is he is somewhat of the star of the show i mean the first up the first image we see is him running through the streets in slow motion so i mean we've always kind of been following his character but i mean you have right cliff curtis and uh kim dickens who are quote-unquote you know the kind of veteran actors along with ruben blattis and coleman domingo for that matter he's a a very accomplished stage actor who's been just (sighs) just becoming just jumping into more films and tv recently but uh Mm -hmm. No, it's it's good stuff. I'm I'm liking I'm liking what I'm seeing though. It's getting better, and I think it, it, it's it's showing. Our ratings are improving a little bit, and even the our, our listeners' ratings are improving. So maybe yeah. it's going to build to a really strong, quote unquote, mid season finale. Who knows? There may be a really good ending. Maybe someone's going to go. We don't really know. I mean, this is a different type of show. Definitely more suspense. They're they're playing it out more. It, it, maybe there'll be more backstories than we saw. I mean, who knows? I, I'm I'm liking it though. It's, it's still good. Um, I just hope it gets back. I just, I don't know. It needs to pick up still. It is a little bit now, but it needs to pick up just a little bit more as far as I'm concerned. But okay, folks. So that's going to bring it into this week's episode. But where can our listeners find us when we're not talking zombies and fear the walking dead? Aaron, where can they hear you at? Uh, you can hear me on my weekly podcast out now with Aaron and Abe, where my co-host Abe and I talk about the newest movie releases and other fun stuff. This week, we have a summer movie gamble, which is one of the biggest episodes we do, where Abe and I and a number of other frequent guests all predict what we think are going to be the top 10 highest grossing films of the summer. So that's a lot of fun. Very cool. And of course, Captain America, Cole, and Civil War is arriving in theaters, so that's going to be a big episode for us as well. And um, you can find me writing in various places, which you can all find on my... I, I post stuff on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Excellent. Jim? Uh, you can check me out at hhwlod.com uh, on the DC TV podcast, a weekly podcast that covers all the uh, television shows based on DC properties. Right now, we just... Uh, last episode, we had the season finale of Lucifer, and we're coming up on season finales for The Flash. Uh, Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow, so and soon uh, to be the Punisher, right? They just uh, announced that, right? For um, oh, that's not DC. Oh, that's true. That's true. I'm sorry. That's no. covered by it's all connected. I'll scratch or, that. Or, Thank or, you. That is all podcast yeah. uh, that covers all the Marvel shows. You can also find hhwlod.com. I'm getting a little excited about that. I really want to see that one. That's why I thought. Well, in the meantime, you can go to out now there today, but let's do our Punisher Warzone commentary track that we recorded. 
That was awesome. And I can't wait to hear your summer uh, uh, um, show. That's always a treat. Um, it's a good one. Gamble is always a good one. Um, sp- speaking of one of the guys in your summer gamble, I just did uh, on the Cult Cinema Cavalcade uh, about a week yes. ago. We, we covered the Apple. Oh, oh really? Yeah, uh, disco sci fi, uh, Golan Globus, uh, Canon Films extravaganza from 1980 oh um, man it's it's like a dumpster fire to glitter factory it's uh it's a great great bad movie uh and it was privileged to talk to brandon and cullen about that that was awesome so you can check me out there and uh also on uh, nothing's on on the taylor network of podcast.com it's a general uh discussion on movies and television and a lot of uh, uh interaction with our listeners as well so uh that's where you can listen to me Excellent. Thanks, Jim. We didn't miss you, so welcome back. I'm sure our listeners did, too. And It's not the same without you, Jim. Let's just put it that way. All right? So we need you here on The Walking Dead, and I'm glad uh, that Skype cre- uh, <laughs> cooperated this evening for that. Uh, if you want to hear me, I am on the I host the Auto Chat Show. It's autochatshow.com, facebook.com forward slash autochatshow. Me and my co-host, Teddy, review new cars, discuss cars and pop culture, and frankly, whatever else comes into our brains. And we have a lot of fun doing it. So if you're into cars, if you're not so much into cars, still check it out. We have a great time. We, and uh, we'll be reviewing, actually, some uh, of Toyota's new pickup trucks. We have the new Tacoma, the 2016 Tacoma, and the 2016 Tundra coming up in our next episode of Auto Chat. That's, you don't want to miss that. And also, we recorded uh, with the HHW LOD guys. Jim was part of that. Daryl Taylor, Russell Latham, and Chub Toad on Sunday night, the next installment of our Star Trek podcast retrospective series. So uh, we talked about all the movies, Star Trek, uh, the motion picture, up to Star Trek Six, The Undiscovered Country. That should be out probably in just a few days, middle of the week coming up. So check out that on the HHW LOD master feed on your on your podcast, so wherever you get to that, or on HHWLOD.com. It's a lot of fun, and we, we explored all the movies and had a good time doing that. When you when you say and Chub Toad, I picture like the end of like an '80s sitcom where like the cast is being shown, and it's like and Chub Toad. It's like a guy upside down, like holding his thumbs up, like hey, it's me, Chub Toad. He's a comic relief. Is that what he is? Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's he's like he'd be like an animated cat popping up into a walk, like wandering onto the show. Like, what's this character doing here? It's Chub Toad. <laughs> Well, it's funny. On the first podcast, I played the Star Trek intro music, and you actually hear him like singing along with it in the, in the beginning. It was actually really funny because <laughs> cla- cla- classic Chub <laughs> There's Chub. We've, we've been trying to get him to stop singing on the DC TV. We've had our listeners actually write in emails asking him to stop singing, but he will not. And uh, of course, listeners need to you know tell us if Craig and I should start the Steven Seagal and all podcast where we talk about just Steven Seagal movies. Jim, are you in here. for that? We we, we oh, kind of diverged. <laughs> wait, wait, ready, ready. Yeah, I, I'm the cook. <laughs> see, I told you under siege, man. I oh told you God. that. You see, this would be great because every we could have chef, Jim. every chef loves under siege. <laughs> oh my God, yeah, Jim. Jim has adds a whole new angle to the show now. Man, it's a three it's a three way podcast about Steven. Guys, listeners, chime t- t- in. Tell us that we need to start this podcast. Listen, we're just gonna all right. Yeah, tell us. But either way, I think we're gonna we're gonna do a special <laughs> HHWLOD special on just Steven Seagal retrospective. I think yeah, it's, we'll start, I think it's we'll coming. Start, well, no, we'll start with we'll do one. We'll give them the taste, and if they like it, then we'll do every, we'll do every one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a, we'll do under siege like well that's so that's logically that's what we'll do <laughs> that's perfect uh, i'm hard to kill is my i mean that's my favorite i just no, I'm was, under right siege, was under siege to the one with eric bogosian yes, yes that's, that's yes. my favorite it's like, that's that and executive decision those are my favorite seagal movies yeah. those are my go-tos i can't believe like two under siege to two instead of one though i mean two is it's, good but one is so much i mean 
Two's, two's better. Guys. Really? Okay. Tommy Lee <laughs> yeah, Jones. I think, yeah. I, think, I, think, I think two's a little tighter pace too, isn't it? Okay. Sparkly. What? One's got great it's stuff. Gary, yeah. Gary, it's been a while. Gary Busey, Tommy Lee Jones. Like it's. Yeah, I did it. There's a there's a lot of stuff in one that's fine, but two. Yeah. Is so, like it's not like Under Siege is a great movie, guys. But so like it's not yeah. it's not like two had to like really hit the bar just right. <laughs> I have to go with it. I have to go with executive decision just because you know, yeah. the Kurt Russell factor. You know how right. I am. That was that's a good movie, I, actually. Yeah, I did like that one. That that that's a legit good movie. Also, Steve yeah. dies in it, so you know it's hard to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's almost We're like still... a cameo for him. It's not even like he's he's in it just for a few scenes. Like that's really he's, it. He's in yeah. it for a good long while before it because you like you think it's gonna be what we're still on the Walking Dead podcast. <laughs> 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 All right, we we have a lot to say about Steven Seagal, so <laughs> let's close forget, this out. I forgot Machete. Mach- uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Machete. Yeah. Kill but Machete. Have you seen Steven Seagal Lawman? I mean, he did a couple of seasons of that on TV. The TV, the TV show? The TV series. Yeah. Have you seen that? I, I never actually watched it. I, I certainly saw the commercials. It. It. It's pretty yeah. good, man. It's it's good. Yeah. He kicks some butt. And whenever these, these criminals say, hey, hey, you're Steven Seagal. He goes, that's right. <laughs> they get arrested and they see, they see it's him getting out of the car. It's the best. <laughs> we, we had like years of podcasts to do just based off this topic. We've, we've nailed it. We've <laughs> Here. Well, I'm going to close it off with some Steven Seagal music, but until there's no more room in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember it is never okay to get blood on fine German leather upholstery. Take care, folks. <laughs> <laughs>